Time ready? No, it was like a repeat after me thing. Oh, like a round? No, okay. You say Mero, I say Thon. Okay, you say Mero, I say Thon. Mero. Thon. Mero. Thon. Okay, that's our new intro, I guess. Um, <laughs> hi, everyone. Um, it's been a bit since we've recorded an episode. Last time we had a really great guest, but now it is just stinky old us that you have to listen to, so that's unfortunate. Um, Oscar, how have you been? All right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's been hot and stormy here, yes. where we've been. But the most exciting news in my life is that we got a hammock. I don't know if you guys heard, so I've been laying out there a lot, so that's what's new with me. Anything else new with you, Oscar? Nope. Okay, cool. Um, and we are here to discuss today a film called AI Artificial Intelligence, right? Right. Um, so... This movie came out in 2001, and it is directed by, I would say, what's considered one of the best living directors. Would you say so, Oscar? Yeah. The probably veritable creator of the modern blockbuster, Mm -hmm. or blockbluster, if you're us. Um, We have this little inside joke on the podcast, um, which, you know, has had ramifications that some people like and some people don't, right? But he's the one responsible. He created Jaws. And look at the mess we've gotten into, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this is, like, our first... I mean, I guess Into the Woods was kind of a blockbuster, but in a different way. This is, like, yeah. a blockbuster. Like, people were really excited to see this movie, right? Because it is a, um, a movie directed by Steven Spielberg and produced, and it was really an idea of and developed by Stanley Kubrick, who's considered... I think also one of the greatest directors of all time as well, who obviously did like 2001, A Space Odyssey, so he also had done some like really important sci-fi stuff before, um, and obviously Steven has done E.T. and Close Encounters, and he did War of the Worlds, all this stuff, um, so he has also been pretty important for sci-fi, so I think people were really excited for this mm-hmm. movie, right? And I would say we were excited for this movie, would you agree? Yes. <laughs> It's very different than any other uh, movie that we've watched on the podcast so far. Like, not any sci-fi before. You know what I mean? Like, this is so different than Rendition or anything that we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was excited just to have something different. And I had heard that Meryl has a very, had a very small role in this. Um, like, extremely small. But I had no idea what it was, right? We had no idea what it was before we started this movie. Um, so yeah, what was your, I guess, just overall opinion of the film? This will be a spoiler-free, I mean, it won't be a spoiler-free, it's going to be a spoiler-full uh, episode about this movie, so... It'd be hard to explain without spoilers. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I literally don't know what we, how we would explain it, except that there's, like, a robot boy. Um, but it's, yeah, there's a lot to talk about with this film, so, yes, Oscar, what were your general opinions of this movie? It was so whack. Like one of the wackest movies I've ever seen. It just it was crazy. It yeah. just had so many different plots and so many different things going on. Yeah, for sure. How about you? 
I agree. I think that um, when we were watching it, um, I think that we were both continually surprised by what kept happening, right? Like, it mm-hmm. seems like every, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it just hits you with something completely, something that would be the weirdest part of any other movie, and then just combine <laughs> into one movie. And um, I, I mean, I, I like Steven Spielberg films a lot. Um, we just saw Jaws in theaters, um, mm-hmm. in our hometown theater, and that was, I don't know, that was a really cool movie to see mm-hmm. in theaters. Um, I like his other work. Obviously, we love Indiana Jones. We were raised on Indiana Jones. So it's not like we're Spielberg haters by any means. Um, but I just found out that I was just very disappointed by this film. I think that uh, there's something to be said for its boldness and its scope. Right? Like, I think um, he was obviously, like, such an important guy or, like, big director that they just, like, gave him all the money to do whatever he wanted. You know what I mean? Like, this is his own studio as well, so you can tell that this is just, like, one dude, like, just totally wild and now. <laughs> like, I don't think there was any studio saying no because I think they would have said no to a lot of this movie. <laughs> um, and I guess I like it for that reason, and it's, like, it was fun to watch with other people, I guess, and be like, mm-hmm. oh my god, what's going on? But I definitely would not choose to rewatch this no. on my own. If I want to watch another Spielberg movie, I'll watch another Spielberg movie. Um, but I also think that um, there's some people who actually, not us, but other people really love this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and both of us for a little bit, and then me the whole time, we're listening to an episode of one of my favorite podcasts, which is Blank Check with Griffin and David. And both of them and the guests they had on love that movie, right? Like, they think it's the one of their, if not the, favorite Spielberg movie they've ever seen. So, um, there's obviously people that really like it. And we'll talk about that, like, once we get later and explain the plot as to why. But we can also talk about why it didn't work for us. And um, we will spend, God, we will milk Meryl for all she's worth in this right. episode, guys. We promise. She's very but, like, We'll get there. But she's... But, there's just not much to say, unfortunately. Um, I feel like this has to be one of the smallest roles in any movie that oh. she's ever done. It's also, a spoiler alert, a voiceover role. Uh, she Her visage never appears in the film. Um, and there are actually a few... Um, it's, it's basically a cameo, right? Is essentially yeah. what it is, I would say. There's a few other celebrities, including Robin Williams and Chris mm-hmm. Rock, that do the same thing, and they're in, like, one scene. Um... She still did an amazing job, right? right? And um, we can talk about it, Mm -hmm. but it's just that there's just not much to talk about. Okay, so let's get into the plot a little bit. So this is kind of where it gets off the rails from the very (laughs) beginning. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the main cast, I mean, like, the main star of the film, right, is Haley Joel Osment. And this is a year or two after, I want to say. I think it was a year. A year, okay. After The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. So he is, he got a Oscar nom for that role, I believe. No, he didn't. Just Tony Collette. I'll fact check that. But anyways, um, he is like the hottest, obviously, child actor in Maybe the game. Maybe not hottest. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that word. He is the most <laughs> talented, um, talented yeah. and um, well-respected child actor in Hollywood, is what I would say. And I would not really use it to describe his looks at all. Like, just his talent, strictly, because he was a child. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he he was also in, like, Forrest Gump. He played, like, young Forrest Gump. So, But this was all, like, within the span of just a few years, you know? So I... 
I don't know. I think that he was obviously the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Haley Joel uh, did get a uh, Supporting Actor Oscar nomination for The Sixth Sense. So, that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he was one of the youngest ever. But, I mean, like, Tatum O'Neill or whatever was, like, super, super young. Anyways, so, this is... He's he's the moment, right? And what did you think of his performance in this film? I thought it was really good. Yeah. Like, I, I we we talked about this movie a lot, like <laughs> in the week that followed or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, we mostly just try to understand, understand, comprehend. So I will. This movie does make you think a lot. Yeah. Like it's not like just a movie you can just like forget about. Like I'll rem- I'll always remember this movie. I'm okay, not gonna. Wow. Yeah, and you that's, know, yeah. It's not a forgettable movie. For sure. So, yeah, I think it's really bold. Yes, bold, for sure. And it does make you think. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we were talking about his performance earlier, mm-hmm. and we were like, how do you even, I was saying, like, how yeah. do you even tell a child to do yeah. anything? Yeah, for sure. Let alone act, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And act really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I think that... It was just like there are this for all the faults this movie has, right? And we will recount them. Not a lot of it worked for us. I think one thing that did work was his performance. So he's playing um, David. He only has the name David, um, and he is essentially a robot boy, right? Yep. He is a boy that was created by this robotics company to be a child, a simulated child mm-hmm. for people um, who can't have children. Mainly because, go ahead. This is the future. Mm-hmm. And, well, they start off, um, it's in the 22nd century. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the world, like, is kind of a disaster, kind of not. It's not really post-apocalyptic and, like, it, just, it's not dystopian. It's kind of dystopian. It's, yeah. like. Yeah. But it's, the like. The world is still existing. It's existing, and honestly, they don't really go into that much of, like. The Hunger Games, like, famine and stuff, or, like... I know. It's, it's funny you know? because this movie... So, it's after global warming has happened, mm-hmm. obviously, and rising sea levels have overtaken cities throughout the world. Venice and New York City and all these other places. But for the most part, this film they seems just... to focus on, like, the upper middle class, which yeah. is, like, doing... Or the wealthy, I guess. Just, which yeah, is doing wealthy. just fine. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't talk about... At all. Like, you don't see anything. Right. You see, there are some people that are coded as, like, uneducated, probably poor people at this, mm-hmm. like, flesh fair that you see later, which we will discuss. But even they can afford, apparently, to go mm-hmm. see robots destroyed and can get snacks right. to watch with it and merch and all this stuff. So, I so, wonder how long after this big incident happened, you know? Yeah. Obviously, life is, like, going on, but, um... And rel- not obviously not normal, but... They're not, like, acknowledging, like, that the world, like, ended. For sure. It's, like, only mentioned a few places. One where, um, William Hurt, who, who plays Professor Alan Hobby, who is the kind of head of this robotics company, right? Mm -hmm. At the very beginning, he's having this monologue to all of his kind of underlings, um, about what he wants to create, Mm -hmm. right? And he wants to create a robot who genuinely loves, right? who loves, like a human can love, who gets attached, like a human can get attached. And he says that if that's, well, if we can create a robot that loves, it will be true artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Everyone's like, 
can a human run the ro- love the robot back? You know? That's the real question, right? And he's like, there are families that are wanting children. In this world, you have to get like a license to have children because mm-hmm. obviously, um, there's not a lot of resources to go around. And he says not no, not a lot of people can get licenses to have children. And um, so he is marketing or thinking of marketing this new robot called David, mm-hmm. and he needs someone to try it out. Right? That's the premise of this film. And I just want to, like, watching this, I was like, this is cool. Like, I don't know. The beginning of this mm-hmm. movie, his his monologue at the beginning, there's a, uh, like, robot secretary there that he, like, kind of shows what robots are before David, and they're very robotic-like, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think robots, as, like, a theme in films, can be super interesting. They mm-hmm. can really talk about... One of my favorite movies is... Blade Runner 2049, and what I really like about that movie is that it uses these sci-fi concepts to really consider what it means to be human, Mm -hmm. and where do we draw this line between artificial intelligence and humanity, because it seems like that line is getting blurred as we move into the future, and I think it's only becoming more and more relevant. I think that if this movie had gone with that more, I would have been so much more into it, Mm -hmm. because it brought up so many themes that I really enjoy seeing in movies. Unfortunately, it decided to go into a route which featured Jude Law and a talking teddy bear and um, a bunch of other stuff. But I think the beginning of this movie worked really well for me. Do you agree? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were excited, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about, like, the family that David, the prototype David, David right. 1.0, uh, like, gets sent into in that whole situation? Right. So, um... It's a mom and is it her husband or is it it's just her like her husband. partner? It's her husband, they think. So they're married. Yeah. And they lost their child. Yes. Five well, years ago. Yes, he's in a coma. He's in a coma or a cryo freeze or something. Something. It's in the yeah. future, so he's like <laughs> he's kind of he's like he's basically kind of Han in a coma. Solo at the end right. of <laughs> at the right. beginning of uh, Return of the Jedi, but um. So yeah. they're like, yeah, he's he's not going to make it. He hasn't been alive for the last five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but he is frozen in time. Right. So, so she's, like, been, like, depressed for the last five years. Mm-hmm. So her, Monica. Mon- right? Her name's Monica. Mm-hmm. And her husband, Henry? Henry, you're right. Henry. Henry, girl, we're going to talk about Henry. Okay. Um, Top ten worst characters in every movie. <laughs> so Henry um, buys David. Yes. He doesn't buy him. He works for the company. Right. And the company, uh, actually, Professor Hobby says um, that I need someone to try this out. Mm-hmm. I need all these different parameters that I want you to look through in my employees. And they find this guy, and he thinks he's the perfect candidate to try David out. Right. And Henry s- thinks this would be a really good idea. Good idea <laughs> to just give, you know, a mom that's really sad about her son's death. Mm-hmm. A fake robot. Yeah. Who acts superhuman. Yeah, and not tell her about it until not, yeah. David walks in and says, I like your floor. Yeah. That was a pretty good impression. Um. <laughs> and she's like, um. Um, what? what? <laughs> like, what? Why did you, why, why is this robot boy here? Why didn't you ask me before you brought him home? And Henry's basically like, honey, this is a huge opportunity at work. They're counting on me. As if his job is just like, I don't know a stockbroker or something, not asking her to take care of a robot boy for the rest of her life. 
Henry is the worst, and everyone who watches this movie, I think, has to realize that. Don't you think? He's literally the worst. How stupid do you have to be? But anyways, David comes home, right? David comes home. And... And it's a little... He's really weird. <laughs> he's, he's super weird. Like, he's super creepy. And he's just... Like, he's very human-like, obviously. I mean, what's cool about this movie is Haley Joel Osment, um, yeah, from the outset at least, does not look like a robot at all. Right? No. He looks like a human boy. You can't tell he's a robot at all. What's really cool... Um, he did not blink during the, any of the shots of this movie. He kept his eyes open to keep, like, a robot-like appearance. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he blinked when they stopped. But I think that... Oh, my God. With, for any other child actor, I literally just don't know how this would work. Right. I, I mean, again, I just, like, cannot fathom how hard this would be, like, as a performance and, like, <laughs> as a director to direct this child. He obviously must have been, like, a consummate professional because I think he outacts pretty much everyone else in the movie. Right. Except Meryl, obviously. Well, except for Meryl, of course. Oh, Meryl, Meryl, Meryl outvoices everyone in this movie. Well, and that's Periads. But Jude Law is also good, but we'll get to him. Right. Um, um, so, yeah, he's so, yeah. acting super weird and just, and, like, kind of staring at her, and just, right? just, like, yeah. And so, I don't... I honestly think this does David need a little bit more work. I think that's period. He can't, he can't eat. and But he, he has the ability to swallow, which doesn't make any sense. He can't swallow. Yeah, he can't remember he got he ate and he got a bunch of food in his um Okay, right. Yes, that mechanical was mechanical parts. Somehow he can he he's there's not like a stopper at the back of his mouth. Which so there should be. <laughs> I don't sure. know why there's not. <laughs> yes. Yes, Oscar got extremely upset about this when he watched the movie. But um yes, he can swallow for some reason, but if he eats any food, he will he, Yeah, this is really 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 this we'll get there. The we'll get there. But it's a really creepy scene, which we'll get to. So, um, Monica... He, he, he's like, will you dress me, Mommy? Yeah. For bed? And she's like, because these clothes will fit you, because she saw his clothes from mm-hmm. um, her son, Martin. Um, and he's like, will you dress me, Mommy? And she's like, um, uh, I'll leave you boys to it, and, like, leaves. And then mm. there's just this shot, right? The right. shot that is... It, it's a beautiful shot. But it's, like, through kind of a, a frosted glass door. Mm-hmm. And... You can see just half of his face, a quarter of his face, and it's just replicated across the, these, like, panes of this glass door. Mm-hmm. And he's just staring at Monica, right? And this goes on for an unknown amount of time, right? right? We don't really know how long he's kind of existing in this phase. This is not his permanent phase. He hasn't um, attached to Monica yet, right? right? He hasn't formed, like, a bond with her, so... He isn't imprinted, which is, like, which, yeah. what animals obviously do, like, to actual humans. They're actual, like, mothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but eventually, Monica, even though she seems hesitant Yeah, still, I, don't, I don't know why she decided to imprint him. Yeah. So, imprinting is just, yeah, to get... So, she needs to imprint David, and then mm-hmm. David will love her. Yes. Permanently. Which, permanently and forever. Forever, yes. So if she, if David, if Monica does not like David, mm-hmm. th- you can't like undo the imprinting. Absolutely. And so she would have to bring him back to the factory mm-hmm. and he like Will dies, be destroyed. destroyed. Yeah, because you can't reuse him. He can't imprint right. on another human. It's just, it's supposed to be like a real child. Um, so I think that. I mean, Monica is a good person in this movie, right? She right. she has a conscience. She really cares about David to the level that it seems like other humans, which, I mean, mm-hmm. again, it's a question as to whether or not she should. But um, I think she also realizes that 
she can't send this boy back. You know what I mean? That I think that was part of it for her. Mm-hmm. She already lost a child, and she didn't want to lose another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seemed like she was so desperate, right, to right. be to be loved mm-hmm. and to love. And it's obvious that she really... They show her doing these kind of motherly tasks, and she seems happier than she's ever been, and Henry's happy for her, and so she imprints, mm-hmm. which is like... She puts a hand on the back of his neck, right? Mm-hmm. And she says these names. These really specific words, like yeah. dolphin and... It actually reminded me of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Right. When he's, like, programmed. To awaken the Winter Soldier. You're so right. I wonder if they got that idea from AI Artificial Intelligence Mm -hmm. 2001, directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, But he says, like, hi, Mommy. Like, immediately, right? She's like, what did you call me? No, she was like, oh, my God, what did you call me? Yeah. And he's really hard-touched. Yes. And... Um, he's still a little creepy, uh, yeah. right? But he's 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 more more human. More human. He he obsesses over her like drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. He stares at her drinking coffee and he makes coffee for her. Um, so he's like obsessed. I don't. He's obsessed. With see, her. I don't know if it's just it's it's if it's love as much as it's an obsession. An obsession. I think that we also need to discuss that he never imprints upon Henry. Right. And His father, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes zero sense, and also it doesn't seem later. When Professor Hobby talks about like um, mass marketing these David robots, mm-hmm. it, it he can only imprint on one person, which and it is... seems like he's talking about only imprinting on mothers, mm-hmm. which is a little gross to me, right? Like that, like only mothers will want to like take care of these kids because Henry could like literally leave, he could disappear for all David cares, and mm-hmm. he would not care, right? No. It's so obvious that he only cares about Monica. Mm-hmm. He also cares about later. We'll talk about some other people, but really, it's. This entire, and it will spoil, 2,000-year journey is about his obsession with Monica. He's really obsessed. Yeah, so it's it's just weird that it's only about mothers to me. It's really yeah. odd, um, which I think was another issue because, I don't know, it's just, it's very, like, Oedipal as well. Like, they, they talk... Oedipal? Like, Oedipus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you learned about, like, Freud and Psych, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you, like, hate the father, love the mm-hmm. mother, right? It's mm-hmm. very that. Um, mm-hmm. And... Again, I don't want to, like, make people grossed out, but he's, like, almost romantically obsessed with her. Yeah. Right? Like, it's 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 a creepy mother-son relationship. And she understands that, which is why she's kind of weirded out by him as well. Um, but she also, so she also, like, gives him this teddy bear, right? Right. Called Teddy, which isn't a very imagined name, but whatever. Which And he's, like, a super toy, but he was, like, popular when uh, their first son, Martin, was mm-hmm. still alive. And mm-hmm. so he's kind of outdated, right? Mm-hmm. But he's basically a walking, talking right. Which is, object. he was really creepy, too. At least yeah. at the beginning, he was really creepy. Yeah. Because but, cause he's a teddy bear that, like, talks to you. Yeah, and he's like, has a conversation with you. And, and like, toddles around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of weird, but... Teddy's with David pretty much the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Teddy and, like, like David are very friends. close. Yes, best friends. Um, so they're very close. Um, and then there's a huge kind of first twist, I would say. And that is that Martin wakes up Martin is Monica's son. Real son, son. Human yes. son yes. that we thought was dead. Yes. Well, he's cryogenically frozen. But Oscar. we thought he was dead. Right. Or, like, he could not recover ever. Right. And he does. And he has... Um, like a prosthetic leg? Yeah, prosthetic legs, or at least prosthetic leg braces, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and has, 
a little bit of trouble getting around, but otherwise he, so they bring him home first, and he's completely incapacitated, and in a wheelchair, and uh, has a feeding tube, and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, like, wow, I didn't know that that's what he's gonna be like, in the next scene, he's like, walking around, and he has these leg braces, so, anyways, uh, Martin is there, um, and, uh, he's the guy from Lizzie McGuire, <laughs> it's Matt McGuire, it's, it's Lizzie McGuire's younger brother, <laughs> so that's who plays, um, Martin, if you're familiar if you're a Disney Channel kid like we are. Um, so Martin is obviously a little uh, confused, creeped mm-hmm. out, weirded out that uh, his parents just decided to get another boy. Well, also, if you wake up after, like, five years, it's going to be weird. For sure. Like, do you think his, bo- his like, body was frozen in time, too? See, yeah. I don't know if he aged in there. No, he didn't I age, I don't that. think. I don't so think he aged. This whole, like, movie is just weird. For sure. Um, For sure. There's lots of questions that it doesn't really answer. So many questions. (laughs) Um, But Martin, like, yeah, he he, he alternates, right? He's kind of ambivalent about David. At Mm -hmm. some points, he's like, hey, I guess I get to, like, have a brother to play with. Mm -hmm. And at other points, he's pretty cruel to him, right? And, I mean, part of it, when we were watching the movie, we were like, well, yeah. How would you feel if you woke up from a cryogenic frozen <laughs> slumber and suddenly there was a robot boy that your so parents got to replace you. you and they like still love him and take care of him? Not Henry, but you know what I mean? So, yeah, I thought they were instantly going to give David back. After right. Right. Martin I thought so, back. too. Um, and actually, Martin kind of seems like he wants it to go that way mm-hmm. because he tells David, um, if you cut off a lock of mommy's hair... Mommy will really love you. Because that's what David really he wants. He really wants Monica to say, I love you. I, I love or him. just really genuinely love him, right? Um, because he still feels like a distance from her, which mm-hmm. is understandable. Um, and David's like... To be fair, David, for the most part, he can't like do harm to people. Like He's not... Right. He doesn't have that capability. And um, he is like, no, I should ask her permission. No. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, no, it's a surprise. And that's the best part. Um, so... This is a very kind of tense scene, mm-hmm. right? Which actually was a really good scene, like, mm-hmm. to watch. And you can tell that Spielberg did it because you're so, like, so, it's so suspenseful. Um, but he comes into her, their room with the scissors. Mm-hmm. She rolls over in bed. And it's like her eyeball is like right next to yeah. the scissors. And it's just, oh, you're, like, cringing, yeah, right? Yeah. And he snips off a bit of her hair. Mm-hmm. And she wakes up and screams, right? right. And Henry's basically like, we're taking it back. Right. And Monica's I mean, like, I would too if this, if a robot wa- ra- walked into my room. First of all, I would not have a, a fake human <laughs> robot in my house. Don't know why they would think that. Um, and then it just comes with a scissors inside your room in the middle of night. Like that would be, I would, I would literally like try to cut its head off right there. I would not, no. Um. So yeah, it's Henry's like we're taking it back, and. Monica's like, no, right? She's like, can't take it because she knows what will happen to him. Mm-hmm. He'll get destroyed. And she's like, no, he didn't understand. David explains, like, Martin told me to do it. And she's like, okay, you can stay. And then I don't remember if it's before. Or, yeah, I think it's before when he does actually, he's kind of getting in an eating competition with Martin at right. the table. And he like swallows a bunch of spinach mm-hmm. and he like basically melt. His melt face like it. starts melting. Yeah, it's a cool scene. It's really, really, really creepy though. Yeah. So I would get, I would bring David back at that point. <laughs> but then the technicians come, and David's just 
on the kitchen table and they have his stomach obviously he's a robot mm -hmm. but they have his stomach completely out and just like taking all the spinach out and they're like david you can't do this and monica's like almost in tears right and she's like holding his hand he's like don't worry mommy it doesn't hurt which is another reason why did they have the technicians do that on the kitchen table now you're just going to remind him that mom, he's a robot. Yeah. Why do you not just bring it back to the factory and then he can yeah. get it cleaned? And yeah. And you could kill him too. Oscar, you really hate really, on Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar had no sympathy for this robot boy. Um, but basically, that's like another straw. But they're like, okay, whatever. It's fine. They fixed him. And then this is kind of the the big inciting mm -hmm. incident that really sets the adventure part off, right? Mm -hmm. So... So the, we're, this is still like the exposition. Exposit oh, for sure. This is what, say. maybe like 45 minutes into the right. movie? Which an hour? In, yeah, which was a long time for an... For sure. And I, so far in this movie, I was like, okay, there were a few weird parts. There were a few mm -hmm. questions that I feel like should have been answered that weren't. But for the most part, I was like, it okay, was, it's a was, pretty contained story. And it was, it was creepy. And I was like, it's just meant to be creepy. Like, no, for sure. For sure. Like the parts with his face melting off and, and um, the, the other parts of him being like, this weird mix of human and robot were really good. I didn't. I I, I like those parts. I think they were like creepy in a purposeful way, um, and obviously his performance. But I think the film it turns into another film after this, mm -hmm. right? It, essentially. But anyways, um, so there's a pool party, mm -hmm. right? And Henry's basically trying to get David to leave ASAP. He hates David. He wants him to go back. Henry's not a good person. I think we've established like, this. Henry did this. It's Henry's responsibility, and he's not taking care of it. See, when you do the clownery, the clown comes back to bite. And that's what happens Henry, and he, he should have been the one to take care of him. But he's like, Monica, 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 he can't do anything mm -hmm. for himself. Nope. Clown. And so there's a pool party, right? Right. And these, so Martin by now has kind of, like, he, He's kind of warmed up to David, mm -hmm. right? He, like, he kind of sees him as a brother. I don't know. I think he's he's in a a better place with David now. Mm -hmm. And he... Um, they're at a pool party. They're all swimming. But, like, obviously, Martin can't swim because his legs are paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And David can't swim because he's a robot. Also, yeah, I don't know why they didn't make him waterproof. <laughs> like, phones these days are waterproof. Like, a robot in, like, the 22nd century that can look like a human can't be waterproof. Is it that hard? Guys, you really should have just let Oscar design David in this film. I'm telling you. He has a lot of brilliant ideas. Um, but... Basically, these boys are really, they're Martin's friends, and they're like, oh. Ooh, ooh. you're a robot. You have a robot, brother? That's kind of weird. Can we touch him? And then they they're basically. Like, he, they're like, he's so real. Yeah, they're like, oh. Whoa, and so then they basically, because they're evil, are like, well, let's stab him or something. To right? see like, if, he's... if he feels pain, right? Mm -hmm. So they like kind of prick him, right, with yep. something. And a knife. a knife. I think it's a full knife. Is it not a full knife? These psychopaths, girl. And then. He, like, because of part of his programming, when he's hurt, um, he goes, like, keep me safe, keep me safe, keep me safe to, to the Martin. to the nearest person. And or, like, boy, Martin, Martin was like, don't do that. Yeah, no, he, he was, was like, guys, don't him. do it, don't do it, yeah. And he was being nice. But then he goes, keep me safe, keep me safe. And he keeps backing up away from them. He has Martin, like, in a hug kind mm -hmm. of from behind. And he backs up right into the pool, mm -hmm. right? And he can't swim. He's just a block of metal. Right. So he sinks to the bottom. And is basically holding Martin down there. Right. Um, and all of these, his dad, Henry, jumps in, mm -hmm. gets him out, 
They have to perform CPR. He survives, Martin. Um, Haley Jasmine just chilling on the bottom yeah, of that pool for a while. <laughs> um, and then when he gets out, um, Monica has to make the difficult decision because mostly because Henry is like, mm-hmm. we can't risk the life of our real son for this fake son. And mm-hmm. Monica, which is so, it is so stupid that she has to be the one. Or at least only her. Like, Henry couldn't have come with to help her. She had to do it all by herself. Like, the factory, like, he works at, like... It's so stupid. started this? He literally his fault. Anyways. So, basically, in order to get him destroyed, Mm -hmm. she has to drive out into the middle of the woods, which is kind of by this factory. And they're gonna have... It's also really creepy. (laughs) Yes, it's a creepy scene. And they're gonna have a little picnic, and, um... She's going to leave him there, right? And the mm-hmm. factory people are going to come and take him, and he's going to be destroyed. So, they get out there. Wait, I thought I thought she was planning to take him to the factory. She just couldn't do it. That's what I interpreted it oh, as. Oh, okay. I think that... I think that... The, I've interpreted as... If she took them to... If he took... If she took him to the factory, he would know what was up. Because it's a factory. But so, I like, feel like he, he was so, like clueless about so many things i honestly feel like you just would think he was getting like a fix or something okay i think i think she could have done it okay so um, i i anyways either way she was going to have him destroyed mm-hmm. she gets this picnic table set up or picnic blanket and stuff and suddenly he realizes what's going on right like right. she's gonna leave him here and he loses he it has a which freak is out. um also understandable because if you are a regular nine-year-old boy and your mom just decides to leave you in the woods I'd be freaked out, too. Or if you're a robot and you're only trained to love one person and that person is leaving you, I'd be freaking out, too. So, anyways, he is, like, crying. Like, he's like, don't leave me, Mommy, all this stuff. And Monica, like, can't take it. And she's like, run that way. Here's some money. I'm sorry I did I remember this line very distinctly. I'm sorry I didn't tell you about the world, right? She tells mm-hmm. him because, obviously, he's had a very sheltered life. And we, I think what's so interesting about this movie is we have a very sheltered life. We don't know what other robots look in this movie. We don't know what the rest of society looks like. We've basically mm-hmm. just been inside this one home, right? right? This whole movie. Um, this one Which, basically, family. David has been, too, his entire life. Mm-hmm. And um, he basically has to run off, and Monica leaves him. Mm-hmm. And immediately, it starts going bad, right? <laughs> like, immediately. Right. And a little before this, we are introduced to the character of Gigolo Joe, who is pay, played by the veritable hunk Jude Law, who I absolutely love. I adore Jude Law. Um, so Gigolo Joe is um, a robot gigolo, guys, as his name implies. And uh, he is a robot that was created to make women happy um, in that way. This is a family-friendly podcast, so we're not going to really go into discussions. But um, he basically gets framed for murder, mm-hmm. right, is what happens. He's going to a woman's room. He gets there. The hotel owner owner has killed her um, because they were, like, romantically involved. And basically, Gigolo Joe was planted there, so it was framed for him to do Which it. Which I, I think, that honestly, if they're going to do that, they should have dove deeper into the possibilities of framing people with robots, which would be so easy. And they just, like, let it go. For sure. Like... Because all these robots work in the service industry, and you could totally, like, commit murder and blame it on a robot who was there so easily. Yeah. I, 
I think there are a lot of implications that this world brings up that are so much more interesting than what they actually talk about in the movie. <laughs> um, but, so, basically, uh, Gigolo Joe is on the run, right? He, like, has to remove his little license tag that says he's allowed to do work, um, and he's, like, an unregistered robot, so he can, like, be picked up for scraps now. And then there's this actually very cool, I thought, scene. It's just very disorienting, because basically as soon as... David starts running for his life. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where it looks like the moon is rising up, mm-hmm. right out, out of this kind of. They're on top of a hill. There are all these robots because, um, like it seems like a garbage place or maybe the factory, probably yeah. honestly the factory, um, dumped all these spare parts, right? right. And, and all these, like, left robots, abandoned robots. Yeah, which are in who are like varying out stages of, yeah, of been, like out of date disrepair. Yeah. And they're no good anymore. Yeah, and they're they, finding parts. They, like, flock to the parts. Yes, to and, prepare um, themselves. And that's where David kind of sees Gigolo Joe for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should talk, we should say Gigolo Joe has a very distinct look. Um, he's very, like, he is very robotic. Yeah, and his, he, he's much less human. Um, he kind of walks with a little step. He's obviously inspired by these, I think he's kind of like a, to me, he's almost like a 1930s movie character, mm-hmm. right? In the way that he acts, the way that he's, he walks. He's wearing this, I thought, actually very stunning outfit, <laughs> um, which is like this kind of holographic, purple, like, full suit. He can, like, change his hair as he wants, like, to the woman. I love this. I loved him as a character. And then he almost just, like, fizzles out at the end. But I think his introduction is really cool. Right. And as a character, I think his, the idea of him is really interesting. Um, so they see each other here because Gigolo Joe's, like... I don't know, with the other robots that are, like, on the run. Mm -hmm. And he's in way better state than all these other robots, Oh, for sure. Like, he's totally fine, yeah. And so they see this moon, like, rising up Mm -hmm. out of, like, on the bottom of this hill. And, like, obviously, like, David's like, okay, like, I don't know what that is. Well, it turns out that actually this is a balloon. And the moon was all a decoy. And the balloon is actually containing Brendan Gleeson, who's playing. Flush Fair Impressario Lord Johnson Johnson. And as you can tell, this movie, it changes a little bit after this. Okay, so, so they're, it's like, they're kind of like, just like, the ro- like, they're on the hunt for robots. Yes. Robots that they are allowed to kill and destroy in front of people, yeah. which are robots that are no so longer like. Use. They're robot police, or like. They're, but they're not. They're like, because they're like, like, they're like for fun. Like, a, um. Bounty hunters? Yeah. Almost? Yeah. Because they're, like, or like the, outside of or the like law. Animal control? Is that what you're thinking yeah. of? Okay, animal, animal control. control. Yeah, they're kind of like that. But anyways, they basically... So all these robots run away. But they don't make them because they send off these other robots, actually, that look like dogs. And they're, like, all neon color, mm-hmm. and they're in motorbikes running okay. after them. I just want to talk about how, um... Why is it a moon? It just... Also, since they have all this technology, I feel like they could have got a better decoy. Like, invisible. I don't know. They did it in the Avengers. They have an invisible... And that's Wonder takes... Woman has an invisible jet, and that's in the 1970s. Yeah, so step it up. <laughs> I think um, on the podcast that I listened to, that we both listened to, they talked a little bit about the moon imagery, and something I did think was interesting is that so, um, obviously, E.T. has a very mm-hmm. iconic scene with the moon, right? right. Flying across the moon. Um, and actually, like, Steven Spielberg's production company, Amblin Entertainment, that shows has the moon. 
Um, so I think that it's actually, they, they explained it to me in a way that I thought was interesting. I like, I like that scene. I do. I have to admit, like, as a, as a viewer, like, not knowing what that moon means, you're like, okay, cool. And then you're like, oh, no. You know what I mean? And I, it's very much, like, putting you in the shoes of David. I don't, it, it does seem like a mostly aesthetic choice for them to be the moon. I don't think it has a huge purpose. But I do like that Steven Spielberg was like, okay, you like the moon? That's what E.T. is going to go on? Well, no, because there's going to be a robot Nazi in it, actually, this time. So um, so basically what these people do is they scrounge up robots and they take them to a flesh fair, which we hear earlier in the right, movie like because avoid, Monica says, says... Avoid the flesh fairs. One of the only things she says to David before she leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He immediately goes to a flash fair, not intentionally, of course. He tries to get away, um, but he's basically attached. He he forms almost a new attachment, not of course to the level of Monica, but um, I think his his like coding makes him attached to different people that can keep him safe. And uh, this is Gigolo Joe in that instance. So he's with Gigolo Joe in this cage, and it's basically like a demolition derby, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's these people that look like rednecks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that are standing in bleachers and watching robots get destroyed in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so this Lord Johnson Johnson guy gets up and makes this big speech about why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And he makes some interesting points. And this is, I think, right. I think the idea behind this part is, is, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And basically he says, we are being replaced, right? right? Which is, I think it's actually evoking some political rhetoric that is used right now mm-hmm. talking about immigrants right like we are being replaced i don't know if that was intentional but i think the audience was very intentional mm-hmm. the, like the kinds of people who hang out here which is also very stereotypical yep. but um he basically says robots are going to destroy us they're going to turn on us they're mm-hmm. replacing us everyone needs to be destroyed we need to choose human right, right. And he decides to make his point by pouring acid over robots and lighting robots on fire and doing Chris Rock comedian robot into a cannon and blowing him mm-hmm. off. And so that's kind of what is happening. And you're kind of just sitting there like, okay, <laughs> okay. Like, I don't, how did you feel when you, when this part came up? It was just weird. Yeah. And yeah, the robots, they don't, they don't really feel anything, right? They can't, no, they don't feel pain. They don't have pain receptors. Um, but it seems like they have varying responses to death, like, um, and it's, it is actually interesting to see, like, all the different kinds of robots, because we've only seen David before, there's some that are very human-looking, obviously, like, Jigolo Joe looks very human-like, he doesn't act human, but he he looks like it, there are ones that are literally TV screens, there's one that, um, is, like, a nurse robot, that kind of, yeah, nanny robot that takes care of David for a little bit, and she smiles, right, as she's being burnt to death because well, she's taking she's, care of him. She's, she's programmed to yeah. take care of children, so right. that's what she does. For sure. And so, the, but then and Chris David, Rock David, comedian, David sees her getting acid poured on yeah. her, and she's smiling, and yeah. he's, like, creeped out. Yeah, even David is creeped out. He's, David's creepy. <laughs> exactly. Chris Rock, comedian robot, is like, hey, guys, stop. <laughs> hey, hey, let's, I know we're kidding around here, but hey. And so it's like, <laughs> it is interesting. It's also very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems a little extra. But, so there's this little girl who sees David in the cage and mm-hmm. with all the other robots. And she's like, Daddy, who her daddy, like, works at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, Daddy, there's a boy in there. He comes, he scans him, and he's like, well, it's obviously a robot. But he's like, I, we can't, like, light this one on fire because it's such incredible engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's obviously a piece of, like, art. 
and this like doctor or Lord Johnson Johnson guy is like, no, like this is even worse than anything they've ever done. He takes him and he's actually like, like gripping onto Jigglo Joe hand, Joe's hand. So Jigglo Joe is like with him, and they're about to like again pour acid or no, but they're gonna stone him is what they're gonna do. Um, because they're passing out all these stones. Acid. Well, because remember they give all those stones they, out? They also, they also put a bucket of acid above them. Yes, <laughs> true. Some multiple um, ways of death. Yes, and he basically says, look, now they're even replacing our children. Look what they're doing. You're not going to have kids anymore. You're just going to have robots. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of a, an interesting idea. Right. Because people could think that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, now you won't even get to have your own kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but also... These people don't believe it, right? And this is kind of like a turning point. I mean, we don't really see what happens, but they have stones that they've been passed out mm-hmm. to, and he's like, let the stoning begin. And um, he David gets a little bit of acid on him, and he's like, no, please, please, stop, stop, no, no, no. And then mm-hmm. one of them's like, robots never plead for their lives. No, you, know you look so real. Do you know what that scene actually reminded me of? What? In The Good Place when they like try to destroy Janet. Yeah, and, and she's, she's like, like, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. Yeah, and then he, he's, she's like, you have to yeah. just kill me. <laughs> but no, yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, they actually end up stoning the Lord Johnson Johnson guy, right? Yeah, he doesn't die. No, but they like throw stones at him yeah. instead of David because they're like, you're the bad guy. You're yeah. trying to kill a boy, basically. Right. Um, and then he just kind of gets away, right? <laughs> like he yeah. and Gigolo Joe just kind of get away. Teddy is also there. I keep forgetting that Teddy is also... Teddy, she leaves... Monica leaves Teddy with him right. when David um, is abandoned. And Teddy's a pretty nice guy. Right. He's he like, I need to save best. David. I need to save David at the flesh fair. And he tries to do stuff. But he's also a very small teddy bear. And so he really can't do a lot, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah. So, basically... David explains to Gigolo Joe what he needs to do. And Oscar, what does he need to do? Go to... He needs to find the doctor, right? Well, he needs to find the doctor because he needs to find the blue fairy. So we didn't talk about this yet. Which is really, really important to the plot. Yes. But, so, when David is with Monica and Henry... Right. He reads... Actually, Martin chooses it because he's like, I think David will like this This is like earlier in the film. Yeah. They read the story of Pinocchio, mm-hmm. right? And how the blue fairy turns Pinocchio into a real boy, which is mm-hmm. what he wants more than anything. Right, so and Monica this, will love him. Yeah. and this, he sa- I think he says that multiple times throughout. So he's like, I need to find blue fairy so I can make him a real boy so Monica will love me. Yes, that is basically, no. after he's she's abandons him, that is basically his only his mission, yeah. purpose, his will to live. Find this um, blue fairy. Find this, this blue fairy, which blue he fairy. is convinced is real because he's a boy. Like, he's right. a child. Um, and... This is also, like, basically a sci-fi retelling of Pinocchio, yeah. basically. It's um, lots of, lots of parallels. Yes, lots of um, imagery that's, that's similar. Um, but, like, Dr. Hobby is, like, the Italian, Giuseppe or something. You know, the guy who makes Pinocchio in the movie, in the movie and story of Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, but, um. It like, kind of looks like him, too. Yeah, honestly. Um, so basically... Jiggle Joe's like, okay, I'll come with you. And he's like, I know where we need to go. We need to go to the doctor. He knows everything. And so then they go to this Rouge City place, right? Which is basically Pleasure Island from Pinocchio. Yes. The, like, parallel. Yes, exactly. It is a sci-fi place. Along the way, actually how they get a ride is um, 
Gigolo Joe stops these guys on, um, like, kind of a car on the way there, and he's like, guys, you want to go to Rouge City? Because there's people like me, except they're girls, robots like me, except they're girls, and they're like, let's go. And the guy that, um, is there is the guy from The Devil Wears Prada. The boyfriend. The boyfriend, the bad boyfriend from The Devil Wears Prada, so... He and Meryl no. reunited later. Reunited. <laughs> Doubt they ever saw each other on set. No, I bet he did not know Meryl Streep was in this movie. Is his name like Adrian Grenier or something? Oh, I don't remember. Something knows. like that. She was um, in it for like less second, than yeah. that, like two <laughs> yeah. seconds. But it was so funny. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, and then Rouge City is like, yeah, it's like a, it's like Las Vegas on drugs, right? Like it's, right. it's. It's a place where people go to be pleasured, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually, like, very aesthetically really cool. I really mm-hmm. liked this look. It, it did remind me of, like, Blade Runner, lots of, like, neon lights, and um, I, I really liked that part. It was really cool. I think that they spent, what, ten minutes there? Like, it's not, mm-hmm. it wasn't a huge part of the movie, um, but it was really interesting. And they go to Dr. No, which is basically, like, this arcade game mm-hmm. voiced by Robin Williams, mm-hmm. right? Um, where you can ask him, like, seven, nine questions, something like that. Um, about anything. About anything, and he knows everything. So I guess the internet does not exist anymore. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, like, tries to trick you. So they, he, like, it's kind of like the genie, you know, where he, like, mm-hmm. uses every excuse for your wishes. But they finally ask the right question in the end, and the Blue Fairy is basically the headquarters of this robotics company, mm-hmm. where Dr. Hobby is, right? So, did Dr. Hobby... How did that work? I'm confused how... So, Dr. Hobby basically, we find out later, mm-hmm. hacked into this mm-hmm. and made the Blue Fairy, which doesn't exist, um, him, right? So, mm-hmm. basically, so David would come to him. But it was also a test because... It was like it was kind of like a riddle, right? For sure, yeah. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it was, it, like, but... it was like, go to the water and the, the lions, lions and the something... But basically, it's leading them to the headquarters in the dilapidated, uh, drowned New York City, right? right? So and this whole thing takes place in New Jersey, so it's not that far. No. But um, they do go there. The police chase after Jiglo Joe because he's on the run. <laughs> Reminder. Um, and uh, they take like an amphitopter. Amphitopter, I think it's called. <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. Amphibicopter. 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 It's like a helicopter slash. That can go underwater. Slash submarine. It's, it's, yeah, it's literally like, and they had to call it Amphibicopter. Or whatever. Oh it's my god. They need a marketing department. Um, <laughs> But they basically steal the police Amphibicopter, which actually, in the podcast we listened to, great, great point. Why couldn't they just stop it if they're the police? Why couldn't they say off? Now Gigolo Joe can no longer fly this amphibicopter away from us. But he does. And um, they go to New York. Which is all drowned. Which is all drowned. Reminded me a lot of the movie The Day After Tomorrow starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, And they see Dr. Hobby, right? Right. But before they see Dr. Hobby, they walk in and it's like... On, like, the 100th floor or something, so it's, like, at so, water level. First of all, we don't know why the headquarters are in New York, because there's no. obviously nothing else in New York, because no. it's, like, run down. For sure. So I don't know why. It's, like, super secret, I guess, but... For sure. That's creepy, too. Yeah. But basically, Dr. Hobby is like, David, you did it. You, you are everything I imagined. 
and it's also revealed in like this kind of panning shot past Dr. Hobby's desk that basically he modeled David after his dead son. Right. Which is really, really creepy, too. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> his dead human son that he, right. like, wants to mass manufacture and send out to these other families. Um, but anyways, basically, Dr. Hobby says, or Professor Hobby or whatever, um, you, you're everything I dreamed you would be, David. The, the fact that you came here is showing that you can experience love and emotion and this, like, drive, right? This right. will. All these things that humans have. And he's like, you're a complete success. Right. Because no robot, robot before you have has had a drive. Right. Which is weird because it's like, well, Gigolo Joe has a drive to not be caught by the police. Yeah, like, like, it's... It, it, we are told that David is special, and he's definitely different than other robots, but it seems like robotics are actually very developed, besides right. David. Throughout this movie, I'm like, Teddy. Teddy... <laughs> Teddy, has, to me, has more emotions than David, which doesn't make sense because he's just like a toy. Yeah. No, for sure. And he's an outdated toy, so David should be no, way, sure. way more advanced. And Teddy can experience emotions outside of an obsession with one person. Right. He can understand an entire situation same and with, respond to Same it. with Gigolo Joe. Absolutely. He's not obsessed. Right. He's not obsessed with finding like, women. I th- and I think, yeah, and I think Gigolo Joe, like, he he likes David. Right. Like, and he doesn't, he's not obsessed with David, you know? For sure, for sure. And he, yeah, I just... It's very confusing to be told that David is so special when it doesn't seem to me like he's actually that special. Um, but anyways, so then he finds... This is also very stupid. This is where we got really frustrated with the movie mm-hmm. because it's just, okay, now it's... What? Like, you go, it goes to Flesh Fair, to this Rouge City place, and then to this so quickly and with no real overlap. It just feels like it's a bunch of short films that they randomly stitched together. I said this before, like, a standard movie has three acts, right? Yeah. This has, like, 20 acts. There's, like, so many. It it, it departs from the three-act or the five-act traditional structure and and goes fully a hundred-act film. Um, And I, yeah, it was just disorienting, and at at one point it was just exhausting, right, Right. to just be completely, um, like, restarting over. But anyways, David finds basically another David, right? Right. And he's like, why are you doing, what are you doing here? What? And he's like, what? I'm David. And he's like, no, I'm special. I'm the only David. And he kills this oh, other David. It's really, also really creepy. It's really creepy, but also, this is a moment where I was like, oh my god, Haley Joel. He was so mm-hmm. good in that scene. He, like, he is, like, unhinged, but still controlled as a mm-hmm. robot, like, in his movements. And it was really, it was a really good acting from him. Um, so, do you think that Professor Hobby purposely put the the other David in there to see what would happen? Well, I think so, because Professor Hobby's basically like, David, you've done a great job. I'm going to go get the rest of the people that would love to see you. And then he just leaves for the rest of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, like, how long does it take you to get the other people? Go down the hall. You're just going to leave this robot kid alone? Like, he's not going to do anything? That has been abandoned by his family and is obviously not okay. Right. (laughs) And it's, yeah, it's so weird. He's never seen from again in the movie. Um, He kills on this other David, and he walks past all of these boxes that have David's, and I don't remember the girl, but there's a girl version of David. Right. Ready to go, ready to be shipped out. And one and of the boxes is, like, moving, moving. Which is a really cool scene. The visual mm-hmm. is cool. But basically, David's like, no, no, I can't, right? This is, like, not, no. So, basically, he he's, like, bye. And Jiglo Joe's still outside in the amphibopter. So, he jumps off this. New York skyscraper. Yeah, which is, the, like, water level now. Yeah, into the ocean, I guess. Yeah, 
and um, basically tries to commit suicide, mm -hmm. right? Um, because he's like, I'm not the only one. I'm not special. I thought, but he basically thought that this Professor Hobby guy was going to be able to change him into a real boy. Right. And he's like, I can't do that. I can't do that for you. I'm not the Blue Fairy, whatever. Um, and so he commits suicide, but then Gigolo Joe uses, like, this arm part of the Amphibopter Copter to pick him up and saves him, right? Mm -hmm. So he's saved. But then this is the part where, wow. Not quite, but the movie, it's about to become absolutely insane. Flying off the handles. Flying off the handles. It just... It just doesn't make sense it, anymore. It completely, to me, it's not, falls this, apart. It, it is nonsensical. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a nonsense movie. Yeah, I think if it's, they... it's like avant-garde. Like, it's surrealism to me. Right. Like, it's, it's, it is unbelievable so, that this movie, the, the, the end part of the movie is in a blockbuster film. Right. So, so David goes, he so, finds a, he finds well, basically, a Pinocchio-like. So, well, first of all, Joe gets captured. Right. And you never see from him again, which sucks because Jude Law is, I think, my second favorite performance of the film. Third. Sorry, Meryl. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Third favorite performance of the, of the film, and I really liked his character, but I think he got Jack Squat to do. Mm -hmm. He basically just walks around helping David, but I think the introduction of his character is so interesting, and I think they could have done so many things with him. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. But Jude Law, you did a great job, and I just want you to know that. He did really good, right? Um, so basically, it's just David and Teddy now, the OGs, right? Mm -hmm. And they're just flying or swimming around because it's in the water. And, and he uh, finds and Bella, and, yeah, and the, yeah, and um, they find Coney Island, and like there's sunken. this like it's yes, a sunken, sunken Coney yes, um, and um, they find this little amusement park, and there's like the story of Pinocchio, kind of told in mm -hmm. like figurine statues, mm -hmm. and they find a statue of the Blue Fairy. Right. And David is ecstatic, right? He's, He's... absolutely thrilled. Mm -hmm. um, and he just parks the amphibicopter there. And eventually, there's this giant Ferris wheel that falls on top of them. And Teddy's... No, da David's like, please make me a real boy. Yes. He just keeps repeating it yes. over and over and over to this blue fairy statue. Yes, which he is convinced is real because right. he's like, oh, well, it took me here. It has to be real. Um, and this giant Ferris wheel falls on them. Teddy says, we're in a cage, right? Mm -hmm. And he just keeps saying, please make me a real boy. Please make me a real boy. And then the screen goes dark. And then, as if as if as if it's the end of the film. Right. And then like, And we said, okay, well and then there's like a narrator, like David Who is Ben Kingsley? The narrator is Ben Kingsley. <laughs> so David like David sat there for he was he just kept asking her and mm -hmm. asking her until and then they just kept going and then it was like until what they say, until like the blue fairy he couldn't see the blue fairy anymore until the infilicopter ran out of gas, all this yeah. stuff. And he, then he basically shuts down, right? Right. All this stuff. And you're like, okay, okay yeah. Okay, yeah, this is the end of the movie. Just, just. It's it's kind of a, I mean, it's a tragic ending, mm -hmm. but you're like, you know what? It's almost like he got what he wanted. He, right? he died happy, mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of a, a full circle of the Pinocchio tale. Yep. And then the narrator decides to say, 2,000 years later. Literally. I'm just like, Two thousand years. Oscar, do we wanna let's recall our reaction. Let's what's what was your reaction? Okay, I'm gonna do be the narrator, ready? Then two thousand years pass. Uh <laughs> I think do we pause it? I think we just pause We fully paused it and we looked at each other and we said Uh huh We said, Huh? Pardon, bro? Two thousand years? 
my, the way my brain just hit the pause button on itself for a second, I said, bro, what? And then it only gets crazier from there, right? And this is the part of the movie that, that again, that made me convinced that there's no other film that will be made mm-hmm. like this again. Because the, it is just so weird. It is so weird. So, so it crazy. It is so weird. That's why it's like one of the craziest movies I've ever seen. Because I've never seen a 2,000 year time a jump. A 2,000 year time jump. A I honestly jump. wonder if that's like one of the longest time jumps in like <laughs> in film, film history. history. Literally. I feel like it has to be. I mean, yeah, it's it's wild. So basically, then it what looks very much like the traditional... Um, archetype of an alien, in that it is green. It is not an alien. We'll make this it's clear. It's not an alien. It is Alexis not an alien. Really convinced it was an alien. For... Because, well, I don't know. I wonder why, Oscar. Because I don't know. They're green, and they have these really alien-shaped skulls, and they're like tall and skinny, like aliens look. No, like. they look. They look almost exactly like. The alien and, from the end of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Which is also directed which by Which is Steven. also directed by Steven Spielberg, who loves to just add alien-looking things at the end. I guess. Uh, which, literally, this came out before. Did he, he made, not he, learn his lesson? He made E.T. once, and he's like, aliens are my thing now. <laughs> literally, and E.T. didn't even look like that is the thing. <laughs> but anyways, these things that look a lot like aliens, and also you're not told any different. No one really tells you that they're not aliens. Yeah, you you honestly have to look them up to see what we're talking about. The only about. thing they look say up, is that... Look up, what should they look up? They uh, should look up, are the aliens at the end of... AI. AI robots or aliens. But I'd, a picture. Oh, they should look up a picture for sure. But what should they look up? They should say uh, aliens, AI intelligence, yeah. artificial intelligence, and it will come up. I guarantee it because they look just like aliens. Anyways, so they the only clue that you get is like they're like, oh my god, like they're super happy, right? But they're speaking in subtitles because they're speaking in their robot oh, alien language. Happy. Oh the the robot yeah, aliens. Yeah, because did we say it's like an ice age? Yeah, everything's frozen. Everything's frozen. And they've been excavating, basically. The world. The world. And they're like, oh my god. He was... The only clue that you get that they're basically really, 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 really evolved artificial intelligence, right? right? Um, is that they say he was... He's hum, He's made by humans. He's one of the originals. Mm-hmm. So, the originals. Um, so, that's, that's the only clue you get, though. Otherwise, they don't tell you that they're robots. Which is cool. It's cool that they're <laughs> robots. But I wish that they had... You could make them look like anything, right? Literally anything in the <sighs> entire world. And they choose aliens. And this is my... I just... I get so frustrated by this film because it makes it so hard to understand this story that should feel like a children's movie, mm-hmm. right? And it's just so hard. Anyways, so the late chief alien robot says to David, basically explaining to him, every human on Earth has died. Obviously, it's 2,000 years later. We are the only things left. We have tried to... We have found other humans' Mm -hmm. bodies. We have tried to bring them back to life. They say that later. Yeah. But David's like, can you make me a real boy? Right? Right? And the aliens are like, robots. Alien robots are like, no. Right? They're literally like, no. We can't do that for you. I mean, obviously not. Yeah. I mean, like, they can't. And... But maybe they could, I don't know, maybe they could have injected some DNA in him. I think they sh- should have figured that out. <laughs> they should have tried a little harder. <laughs> um, but basically, he's well, like, they, okay. They can, like, they, can they, like, make stuff out of thin air, pretty much? I mean, they needed, like, DNA. Yeah. Okay, but anyways, he's like, 
can you at least bring my mommy back? Basically, that's what he says. And the robot aliens say, we can bring people back. We have been able to bring Mm -hmm. people back, but we do need some DNA. And then Teddy, in a a turn that, by this point, we were just like, okay, sure. (laughs) Fine. Teddy really comes through. Teddy really comes through. He has saved the lock of hair that that David almost killed. Off earlier. of Monica. Like 2,000 years ago. Because <laughs> it hasn't like decomposed also, or anything. Also, where did he put it? Yeah, in his it, teddy bear pockets? In his no, teddy bear no, remember, pockets? It was like inside of him. Remember they had to like sew him back? I'm like, but well, how did you open yourself? I was just really confused. But he had the hair. He had the hair. And then they say, okay, but now David. David. David, we have a problem. Actually, we can only bring people back for 24 hours. Right? That is of, the issue. Because of, I don't know, robot alien rules. <laughs> Because of robot alien rules. So at, at that point, they're so advanced they can bring okay. people back to life from a piece of hair, but they are not so advanced that they can have them exist past twenty four hours. No, I was just like, there's no explanation to why it should be that. <laughs> and, at, also, and at that point, we're just like, sure, for twenty four hours, this really specific rule that in this twenty four really, hours exactly. Yes, in this really specific circumstance, of course, it's just like this is no explanation for twenty four <laughs> hours. It just happens to be. It's so true. It's so they, true. What's what's the explanation they kind of give? They basically say space time. Ba- they basically hours. say yes. They basically say the space space time cannot handle like two recreate two two versions of a person, right? Mm-hmm. And it shuts down after twenty four hours exactly. But basically, after that twenty four hours, we disagree on this. Actually, we still yeah. disagree on interpretation of this movie. I believe that the robot aliens meant after the 24 hours, they are erased from space-time completely. Like, history. They, they never erased existed. History, they yeah. never existed. And that's that's the choice that you have to make when you bring that to mm-hmm. life. You, what do you think? I think they just they just die again. They just are brought back to life and die again. Die, like, for sure. For sure. Okay, but um, so, either yeah. way... The robot aliens explain all of this. They say, you know, she's not going to exist anymore. She's going to die again. Either way, mm-hmm. a really awful thing to do to this woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, but we can keep you in this house, which is a replication of their house. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, what we really need to discuss... They, they, they looked into David's memories. Yes, and they recreated it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And what's really important to think about is who's telling David all of this. Well, first, we have to figure out this house is a real con- structure that he's in. It's... It's not. I'm sure it's not. Because they, like, look over him. So I think it was, like, virtual reality. No, for sure. They, like, like, hacked into him and then did this. I'm certain that that's what it is. Um, But we need to... So David is still a child, and the robot aliens are doing their best to explain this in a way that a child would understand. In order to do that, they create a blue fairy, very much in in the animation style of, I would say... Barbie and the 12 Dancing Princesses. Or Barbie Mariposa, maybe. Barbie Princess and the Popper. Barbie, like, look up the fairy Barbie movie. That's yeah. exactly Barbie what it Mariposa looks like. Barbie Mariposa. No, there's another one. There's, like, three. <laughs> but just, the, you, everyone knows what we're talking about. The Barbie movies from that era yep. is what the it early looks like. Barbie movies. Yes, like, which makes sense because... Because this came out in the early Barbie like, movies. Because it's not very good animation style. But, um, it, it's... Which is weird because the CGI holds up actually very well, right? Mm-hmm. I, it's not like you watch some movies from the early 2000s and you're like, yike. Actually, the CGI looks very good. Mm-hmm. And the Teddy and everything, really good. Yeah. Um, because it was a puppet. Like, it was a robot puppet that they created, Teddy. Really? In fact, it's not all CGI. No. 
they had like at least some real thing that they used. Mm. Anyways, so uh, that is Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah, Meryl. So so we we're like, what are we? How far are we into this podcast? An hour? Yeah. We've passed an hour into this podcast, and now we're finally talking about Meryl Streep well, on a podcast the... about Meryl Streep. Can well, you believe it? When we were watching the movie, we got two, I swear to God, we got two hours and two minutes into this two hour and 25 minute film. And this whole time, we were joking, right? We were like, we were oh, like, it's going to be Meryl. Like, Professor Hobby's going to be Meryl. Yeah, yeah, we were like, Professor The, the doctor who's Jiggle, Robin Williams, Meryl. Jiggle, Jiggle Joe, that's Meryl. Like, but we it's were... not. We None of them were Meryl, obviously. <laughs> we were joking, but at the same time, we were like, when is Meryl going to show up? And then all of a sudden, she says, hi, David. David. She's like, she's voc- David. vocalizing. <laughs> the subtitle said vocalizing. She said, she's always vocalizing her very <laughs> soothing voice, obviously. Every line Meryl Sheep should have is just say, in parentheses, vocalizing. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> she says, David, we have some things to explain to you, David. David, I'm, you are going to bring your mother back to life, and then you are going to yo, violently I'm, I'm, kill her well, again. And that's the choice that you have to make, David. How long was she in this? We should time it, honestly. We should have timed it. I would guess it was about two minutes. You'll, you'll probably hear her entire, all her lines from this movie at the end of this podcast. Yes. The entirety of her monologue. It is hot. I paused it afterwards, and I said, it is absolutely hilarious that we had to watch this film for Meryl Streep podcast. It is so obvious that Meryl Streep did this as a favor to her good friend Steve, who just needed a voice actor immediately, and was like, oh, I can do that, no problem, and recorded it probably in her closet like we are right now. And it is absolutely hilarious to me. I wish that a it looked like Meryl Streep instead of the Blue Fairy. Okay, yeah, so I was really disappointed. They could totally just have, like, Meryl Streep and I, like, I, if, okay, listen, if I were the robot aliens and I wanted a reassuring image to talk to a child, Meryl Streep. That's I, I, the image I would choose. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. I th- Honestly, I thought the robots were, it was just going to be Meryl Streep herself. Like, she, she's the sole <laughs> human. Yep, she's the sole human that <laughs> survived 2,000 years. Because she would. She would. She survive, has the range. She has the range to survive 2,000 years and <laughs> be the, the only human left. Yeah, she would do that. That She should have been that. <laughs> but she wasn't. But even the blue fairy, they just, they totally could, they could have put like a... A blue po- fairy costume on her? Yes. It literally would And then just... like a hologram filter if they wanted to look kind of like fake, but... It literally looks nothing like they, her. Yeah. So they can like, I feel like they're so advanced. Yeah. The AI, they totally could have made... A, a Meryl lookalike. Well, yeah, because <laughs> even 2000 prior, they could make human lookalikes. I don't know why they couldn't make a Meryl lookalike. Re- real discussion. Yeah. Would you buy a Meryl Streep AI? No. She's... I would get too attached to it, and I'd say, oh, I love you, Mommy. I love you, Mommy. No. And then I would I would um, go in Coney Island, and I would just stare at a blue fairy, and I'd say, please, make Meryl love me. Make Meryl love me. And then there'd be 2000 years. I'd do that right now. I would go to Blue Fairy and ask Meryl to love me, too. Well, I ask Meryl to love me every day. I no, pray. Um, <laughs> um, please, God, make Meryl love me. <laughs> please make Meryl love me. Meryl, no. if you're listening to this right now, I promise we're not this creepy in real no, life. No, we're not. Um, um, anyways, so basically, so... this is a big part of the movie. Mm-hmm. This, the ending is what will stick with me the most. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is a messed up ending. Right. Basically, so, they so give the him... Blue, they, the Blue Fairy explains everything to yes, David. Yes, what we like just this, said. Right. Basically, she and will then, she will either live and die again, or she will have never mm-hmm. existed in space-time. Well, yeah. So, that's what I'm saying. So, the, um, 
the head, probably the head. The head robot alien, the head, of course. They're called, mm-hmm. we look, they're called the specialists. Okay, well, the Mr. Lead robot alien comes out. Comes out, um, and he's like, he also explains it. He's yes. like, what David says, well, then you know what you have to do. Yes. Amazing line delivery mm-hmm. from Haley Joel. He says, well, then you know what you have to do. No, he was kind of pissed. He was like, like well, well, then you know what you have to do. Okay, that's true. He was like, well, then you know what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, And... Basically, Monica's brought back to life. She is acting a little weird because she's like, "I'm so out of it today." I'm like, "Hmm, I uh, wonder why." I'm so tired. I David. just got resurrected from two thousand years ago. It's unclear. It seems as it is. It is not Monica. It is the version of Monica that David has in his head because mm-hmm. it's from his memories. So this is what I'm saying. I don't know why they couldn't just made a virtual reality Monica. Because they have his memories. I feel like they could have just yeah. done that and she didn't have to, like, die um, again. It's a very good point, Oscar. It's an extremely good point. But um, regardless of the fact, she does die. And um, so, they spend yeah. the day. Spend David the day. makes her coffee. She's She plays with it. It's, it's his perfect day, right? It's mm-hmm. his perfect day. And at the end of the day, David crawls into bed with her. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, David... I love you. I've always loved you, mm-hmm. right? I've always loved you. I've always loved you. And Teddy's also there. He kind of just, like, watches. And it's presumed that he just exists after this because he's not the one dying. But, um... No, yeah, and here's what I'm also confused about. Yeah, we the, the, disagree on this as well. No, the, before that, but... Okay. The robots, the r- alien robots, mm-hmm. that's just what we're going to call them. Yes, absolutely. Um, they say... they. Really hype David up that he's the last thing yeah. of human. Well, what and about Teddy? Teddy um, literally is sitting Teddy, there like, um, said, I'm here too. I? I'm. I? I was. Liver? <laughs> I was living with humans too, he and said, they made me before they made this damn literally, David. Literally, I don't. I don't. Why did they just forget about Teddy? Teddy literally the king of this movie, underrated king, and they say no, David's special. David's the one we really need to Really reinforcing his uniqueness. Yeah. Air quotations. Guys, I'm this doing. is what happened. This is how kids become little special snowflakes, <laughs> and they get. Trophies for everything, like surviving 2,000 years under a Coney Island mm-hmm. Ferris wheel. And then they said, oh, you're so special. We can bring you back to life and bring your dead mom back to life as well. Well, this is how we get snowflakes, Oscar. Mm-hmm. Period. Anyway, so basically Monica dies, another death. And right. she's erased from the continuum of space-time, if you're asking me. Um, and David falls asleep as well and goes to that place, quote, where dreams are born. Right. David has never been able to dream before this. Right. He can't even sleep before this. Right. He he's a robot. He just closes he just, his eyes to make his parents feel better. He, does he close his eyes or does he just stare? I think I think he might just stare because he can't blink. Yep, he right. just stares. He just he closes his eyes in this. This is the only time he closes his eyes in the movie. In my mind, and in Steven Spielberg's mind, because this is what he said about the movie, David also dies. This is David dying. He has fulfilled his purpose. And his life has come full circle. I believe and, when Monica dies, he dies. You disagree. Well, I get your point, because when okay. Monica dies... He has she, no reason to live anymore. Right, because he's, he's, like, he's never met Monica. Yeah, for sure. No, that's, yeah. Um, he never exists, either, is the thing. Right. In my mind. Right. But in my mind, I think, I think he becomes so real that mm-hmm. he dreams for the first time. Okay, you think this is him becoming a real boy? Not a real boy, necessarily, just he's, again, he's fulfilling him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he he just becomes really real. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. I think it's a more hopeful interpretation. Right. 
I think it's a happier interpretation. I think that this movie is incredibly dark and disturbed. Well, yeah. And I think what we need to really discuss... So that's the end of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And you had this really good point, I think, about we've also seen Minority Report, or you've seen some of it, yeah. not all of it, but I've seen all of it, which is also a Steven Spielberg film, which is his next film after this. It comes out the same year. It comes out 2001. I think it is a much better film. I I think it... It's all, that's like also like sci-fi and futuristic. Sci-fi and futuristic. It's not robots, really. Um, it's more about crime and that kind of stuff. But it, it is it is futuristic. It is sci-fi. And you said that this both films really give you this feeling of unease, right? Right. This feeling of, like, you need to take a shower afterwards mm-hmm. or something. So it's, you, you really have to watch. It's really, really a unique. It's not a horror, obviously. Mm-mm. But it, and not quite a thriller. Mm-hmm. It's just, like grimy just kind of it makes you feel again the flesh fair these parts that we talked about the face melting off they're so visceral you mm-hmm. really you really do feel them in this movie and i completely agree when we were like going downstairs to just grab water and stuff and the lights were all off it's not like you're seeing a, a horror movie and you're like checking behind your shoulder but this it's just an eerie feeling it's right eerie. it's it's super eerie and you just I and mean, you feel weird <laughs> the movie has kind of rubbed off on you in that way mm-hmm. And I felt the same way about Minority Report, although the Minority Report Minority Minority Report ends so much happier. Right. And I think is is less disturbing, but it is also very disturbing. Um, and I think that that's actually something to be said for the film, right? Mm-hmm. If a film can make you feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's a poorly made film. No, I, don't, I, don't... I think it's very obvious that the guy who made it, or the guys who made it, Stanley Kubrick as well, really involved in it, are really good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. For me, a lot of it just didn't work, right? If if that whole, if the whole movie had been those moments that actually came together in a story that dealt with the themes that it brought up from the beginning, right. I think it could have been a really great film. If they just extended the first act, right? I think it would have been good. And I think that that's what's that's what sucks about this movie is because, mm-hmm. it, again, it leaves you with questions that are more interesting than the plot itself, right? right? And it makes you think, which you're so you're right about. But I also think, and I keep coming back to it, but there are movies to me that, that are sci-fi movies like Blade Runner 2049 that leave you with really important questions, but they're questions that are a result of a really great plot, of really great characters, of a really well-made film. Mm-hmm. And to me, that movie was, this was just not that movie. Do you agree? Thank you. I think that we should also talk about, just briefly, how some, why some people really love this movie. And it's I think that we we were in agreement in some ways with them because they also think it's, like, incredibly disturbing, right? Like, right. it's, like, I think that everyone that watches this movie can agree that it's disturbing. And I think that, um, again, this is borrowed from Blank Check, so it's not my ideas. I don't want to take credit for them. But uh, they basically say see it as a meditation on God, on religion, mm-hmm. on what it means to be created, on the meaning of life, on and also mm-hmm. that humans only really want one thing to be loved and they're willing to like do anything including kill people for that and i think that they said they basically said the reason why most people don't like it is because they can't handle that they can't handle the reality of being meaningless right of 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 their existence not mattering in the end well, i think that it's weird that there's a flesh fair where they right. light robots mm-hmm. on fire that's why i didn't like this movie maybe it's because i can't handle it because i'm uncomfortable but if you wanted me to make me feel like that, I don't think the best way is to have a walking teddy bear and a gigolo Joe played by 
Jude Law. No, right? it's I, just, it's I just, thought, I thought. Look at the material. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think if you're gonna make AI, this is for future inventors out there. Okay, if you're period. thinking about making AI, don't make them look like humans, because right. I would much rather have a make little... them look like aliens. No, That's the solution. No. Like, okay, a Roomba, yeah, looks like, you know, a machine. Yeah. Why would I want, like, a fake maid vacuuming in there that looks like a human that just, that's, like, no. Okay, well, that's Oscar's big takeaway. Um, <laughs> Don't no, make no, robots okay, that look like humans. No, but also, I think it's it's heavily implied that the robots take, take over. They kill humans, like. They either, it's unclear if they kill or they outlive. No, because, I I think I think I read somewhere like this is right right before like Stephen must have said like right before a civil war is about mm-hmm. to happen. Which if you torture robots in front of people, right. it kind of seems wait, like wait, what you're what does Jude Law say? He said they made too many of us too fast yep. or something. Yep. And that's a good part of the movie. He says that they they're disposable, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's super interesting. Gosh, that would have been a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know? instead of this <laughs> um but that's those are our thoughts on ai we actually talked so much more about it than i thought we would yeah. and we were really impassioned about it which mm-hmm. steven hey that's all you can ask for with like, me. I, like i said it's really it's really philosophical it's really philosophical. it really makes you think yeah lots to talk about obviously because it's just so much stuff going on yeah it's a great movie to watch with other people mm-hmm. and kind of just go through together the mm-hmm. roller coaster I don't think it was a bad experience. No. I wouldn't do it again, right? But I don't regret watching it. Was, it. it was, there are, it was, I've seen worse movies. It was just incredibly weird. It was just so... Like, if a movie's bad, like... What's a bad movie? That's just, like, bad. Um, What's a bad movie, Oscar? I don't know. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? Okay, um... The Kissing Booth. The Kissing Booth. The Kissing Booth. It doesn't make you think. No. No, it doesn't no. make you feel anything. Actually, Oscar made me think. It made me think, this okay. is a really bad movie, and okay. it's perpetuating really harmful okay. ideas. Right. Yeah. So, it, but it's, it's meaningless. It's yeah. like... Yeah. And it has no greater purpose. Right. I think that... So, we need to... So, I think part of the reason maybe why this is so eerie and so disturbing is... So, Stanley Kubrick, as a guy, is just, like, kind of messed up. Like, he's made, like, The Shining and The Clockwork Orange and, like those movies mm-hmm. um and he died before this film was made and it was spooky. It, it's spooky i mean it's and he passed it on to steven spielberg before he died um and it is said um that it was collaborative um as to you know stanley worked a lot on the story and then steven came in and really helped with the visuals this is also written by steven spielberg he doesn't often write his films it's very rare for him to do that so he was really really involved in this movie um, and I think that it's hard, right? It's, it would be hard to make a film of a guy that died, right? And mm-hmm. how do you preserve his legacy? He had made Eyes Wide, Eyes Wide Shut before this, so he had made his own film, but, like, how do you pre- preserve this dead guy's mm-hmm. legacy and also, like, make your own ideas? Mm-hmm. A lot, of, and I think that's probably why it feels really disjointed, right? Mm-hmm. It's because it's made by these two very different guys who are, like, very good at what they do, but very different, mm-hmm. right? And, um... I think that maybe it could have helped if if it didn't have that it's disjointedness. Like, it's like if Leonardo da Vinci and like Salvador Dali made a painting together. It right. wouldn't work. It wouldn't work, yeah. I I think that maybe this could have worked between the two of them. Mm-hmm. It just did not work for me. Again, a lot of people really like this movie, so mm-hmm. 
And I, like, honestly, if someone told me, and, like, when I was listening to the podcast that they really liked this movie, I would say, like, I'm happy and I'm glad because it just worked for you where it didn't work for me. Like, I couldn't let go of how weird it was, right? And, like, and, and, and still focus on the overarching meaning. Okay, so those are our thoughts on AI, artificial intelligence, a starring role from Meryl. Her, her sixth Academy nomination for this one's stunning work, Meryl. Great Thank job. You, Meryl. Um, so we will now move on to the segment. She didn't get an Oscar nomination for this? Oscar, but she should have. No one's going to believe that. No one's going to believe that. I just, they might. <laughs> so now it's that time in the show where we rank... All the movies we've seen for the podcast so far. Oscar, ladies first. So you. <laughs> Go ahead. No. Um. Top to bottom, remember? Top, top to bottom. I mean, bottom to top. Bottom, bottom to, to top. top. Bottom. Number six. Six? Six already. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but AI. Artificial intelligence. Say the whole title. AI, artificial intelligence. Right? Yeah. Number two. Number five. Number five. <laughs> I always am so bad at this. Number five. The Iron Lady. Okay. Number four. four. <laughs> Rendition. Number three. Heartburn. Number two. Postcards from the Edge. And number one. Into the Woods. Wow. That needs to work. You? Um, number six. I'm so sorry to this man. Steven, I still love you. I still love you, Steven. Jude, I still love you. Uh, AI, artificial intelligence. Um, Again, no disrespect if you love this movie. No disrespect. I mean that. Number five, I agree, The Iron Lady. And really what I thought of just coming down to it is if I had to watch The Iron Lady again, I'd be fine with it, right? I was like, yeah, that'd be fine, you know? I, 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 I think that watching AI again... Not for the first time. I just would not enjoy the experience at all, I don't think. Um, number three for me is also Rendition. Did I skip one? I did. Number four is Rendition. Number three for me is Heartburn. Number two is Into the Woods. And number one is Postcard from the Edge. And I mm-hmm. talked about why on our last episode. Mm-hmm. We differ in that respect. So, we both put AI at the bottom. Which sucks, because I... We both love sci-fi as a genre. Like, it's not a genre bias at all. I think I like a lot more sci-fi films than I do, like, prestige dramas. Like, The Iron Lady or Rendition. Or, like, political thrillers and stuff like that. Um, So, and it's... Yeah, it's not a bias against Spielberg's work. I I know not everyone loves him. I think we both really like his work. Mm -hmm. It really just came down to what we talked about before. So, that's our ranking. Um, but I, I really liked watching a sci-fi movie for this. It did change it up a lot, right? right. And it gave us something new to talk about on this podcast. So, I appreciate it. Is, is Meryl in any other sci-fi movies? Hmm. Interesting, Oscar. Let's see what a, what a quick Google search can give us. Hmm? <laughs> Meryl Streep. I did spell it syrup. Um. Sci-fi movies. Okay. Google's saying The Giver. The Giver is, also I guess, a kind sci-fi. of futuristic. It's saying a social science fiction film, and I guess I, w- I wouldn't consider that, yes. You could maybe um, consider this social science fiction. I would maybe consider this social science fiction. Um, so, yeah, it looks like just The Giver. 
Not even. This isn't really considered an Empire's Better Friend. But okay, well, see her come back giving sci-fi energy and looks like she has a stunning bob. I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. the giver, but the bob looks stunning. I'll just say that much. Um, so okay, the giver we have to look forward to. Ask a great question. So now let's move on to everyone's favorite segment. The costumes. costumes. God, we need a title, Oscar. For the costumes. So we need the titles. I, I have no problem for having not titles for the segments, but it just seems like we could come up with a really cute one for this one. For the next episode, we'll have something ready for you guys. Don't make promises we can't keep, Oscar. <laughs> so um, as we've discussed, Meryl voices a uh, Barbie Mariposa-like uh, animatronic blue fairy that is representative of the consciousness of robot aliens. Right. Um, so she has a pretty stunning outfit, that's to say. So actually, the um, image that they use is very reminiscent of the statue that David uh, kind of sits in front of for those 2,000 years. Um, so she has a really stunning blue, slightly wavy hair, would you say, Oscar? Yeah. Um, and very tall wings. Uh, again, I would say very Barbie Mariposa-like. Um, and... This is a and, really specific Barbie film <laughs> that I'm looking for. Okay. I'm trying to find it. In the meantime, I'm describing this um, beautiful costume. So, she's Bar- like... Barbie Fairytopia. Barbie Fairytopia. There's like five fairy Barbie movies, and she could be in any of them. Um, but Barbie... Specifically Barbie Barbie Fairytopia. Fairytopia that's okay. Like right from it. So, it's hard to see because it is... She is lit from behind, mm-hmm. the robot aliens have done. It is a kind of a stunning image when you look at this online. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So the, the robot aliens are also kind of watching over right. this happening. Um, so it's it's she's wearing a blue dress. She has a wand. Um, kind of a kind of a boat wings. neck a boat neck collar I would say um, to describe it. Um, really stunning wings. Um, kind of a shimmery looking ethereal look to her. Again, personally, I would have really liked if it was just Meryl Streep popped Street. right there next to him. But um, if this was what they had to go for, at least they advanced Barbie Mariposa, Barbie Fairytopia technology, um, so those films could eventually be made. So, Stephen, right. thank you so much for that. Thank, thank you, you for that technological innovation. And I say, sincerely, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Oscar, this is actually very exciting. Because this week in Meryl, I don't I, um actually, uh, this week in Meryl! Thank you, that's very appreciated. Um, it's actually really exciting. Oscar, when we watched this uh, trailer, when we heard this news, we were uh, personally in a hotel in Sioux City, Iowa. Right. Uh, the night before, you were about to take the ACT. The night before my ACT, because yeah. all the ACT, te- ACT tests in Go Minnesota rent. were... Tell, tell ACT, the company. <laughs> were, um, were full, yeah. so we had to go to Sioux City, Iowa. So we had a little road trip to Sioux City, Iowa. And, um... I found out that um, that Meryl Streep was in a new film on HBO Max, directed what? by Steven Soderbergh, what? in this in this hotel, and um, I we both were pretty excited. We needless really excited. to say, there are I think there are probably five or six seconds, probably the length of her, the length of her appearance in AI artificial intelligence right. is about how long this section of a trailer is. No, it's much no, shorter. No, think about it. She's probably in. She was in, like, the Iron Lady movie trailer. She probably had more lines in that than AI. Yes, definitely. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> um, but, so basically, it's a it's a trailer within trailer. 
So HBO Max, everyone knows it, everyone loves it. It's like HBO's new streaming service that's supposed to rival Netflix and Hulu and all this stuff. Personally, I don't have it. We don't have it. Um, but it has a lot of new shows and a lot of new films on there. And of course, Meryl's not coming out in a movie that's in theaters anytime soon. Right. And no one really knew this movie was happening as far as the Meryl community online because we had not heard about it, right? It was very much kept secret. This is a big deal, you guys. Steven Soderbergh, director of Ocean's Eleven, director mm. of Logan Lucky, director mm. of High Flying Bird, a Netflix original that was filmed on an iPhone, and a lot of other really great movies, right? Right. Ocean's Eleven is a really good film. Oh, for sure. Steven Soderbergh, great director, who worked with Meryl on the film The Laundromat, which is also a Netflix original, Streaming Queen. We will get to that, obviously. We'll get to that. Yeah, I think we can get to that soon, because it's kind of different. Also starring Antonio Banderas and Gary Oldman. Have not seen it. You haven't seen it either, right? No. She's kind of, she's kind of canceled a little bit for it, though. You didn't hear about this? No. She, like, wears, she, like, does brown face. We'll talk about, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but basically, she's reuniting with Steven Soderbergh for a film called Let Them All Talk. Let Them All Talk. And what sucks about this is we have no idea when it's coming out. No idea. It just says coming soon, and it has a bunch of TV shows and movies that are coming soon to HBO Max. But trust and trust that we will get a HBO Max free subscription for a week, I'm sure, when this comes out and we will watch it. Which I'm so excited about, right? To watch a new movie of Meryl's when it's actually coming out. That'll be so exciting. So, also exciting, the cast for this movie. Um, I don't know, maybe a little Candace Bergen of Book Club fame. (laughs) She's in this great movie, Book Club, which we both agree Meryl could have totally been in. She should have been in. Should have been in that. Andy Garcia, who's in Mamma Mia 2 and plays Strata's love interest, so they've worked together before, plays Diane Keaton's love interest in that movie. Candace Bergen is a judge, a, a federal or a local judge, state judge, not sure, who is finding love on dating apps. And she plays it with such authenticity and such uh, raw nervousness um, mm. that I cannot wait for them to work, be on screen together. They're on screen even in this little trailer. Guess who else is in this movie? Hmm. Lucas Hedges. What? Yes. Budget Timothy Chalamet come through. Of Manchester by the Sea fame. And Ben is back, starring Julia Roberts, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's kind of like an indie darling, you know. And then Gemma Chan. Everyone remembers her from Crazy Rich Asians. Right. She played Astrid. She's like literally the most beautiful person on the face of the planet. So that's the cast. And this is what I will read um, from the Entertainment Weekly article about it. Here's to reconnecting the gang of three, Streep says, as her author character, who takes a cruise with her besties, played by Diane Weist, who I don't know, but I assume she, is... She was in Footloose. Oh, who's she playing? Oh, yeah, who does she play in Footloose? I think she's the, the mom? mom. Yeah. Sorry, Diane. <laughs> uh, and Bergen. Based on Bergen's next line... I don't know if her name is Bergen. I have been saying it, Bergen, but it could be Bergen. <laughs> it seems there's a lot of self-reflection involved with this trip. Who's the real you, she questions. Does anybody trust you? Meanwhile, off in the quiet corners of the film and the trailer, there's Hedges playing Streep's nephew, trying to romance Streep's literary agent, Gemma Chan. 
Wow, does that sound like a good movie or what? And we also need to discuss how Meryl looks in this trailer. She's wearing the blockiest of blocked glasses. They're like just squares on her head. Lots of uh, kind of cardies, hairs up in buns. She's wearing her natural hair. She looks very much like herself here. It's not like a transformative role or anything. But, oh my gosh, Oscar, are you excited or what? I'm really excited. I can't wait. This seems our, like our excitement is very one-sided, but um, it probably is because I'm like really excited for this movie. I think it's going to look great. But I also thought the laundromat was great, and apparently it's not, so we'll see, we'll see. But either way, Meryl Streep got off of her couch this week, and that's something that we can be celebrating. So I think the only thing we have left to do is talk about what, what we were going to watch next mm-hmm. for the next pod, right? Obviously. So... Oscar, do you want to tell them the title of the film that we are going to watch? I think you should. Is it because you forgot it? Yes. Give me your best guess. Give me your best guess. Um, best guess. Uh, it can't be... I narrowed two down. It can't be AI and it can't be Let Them All Talk. So... Yep. W- not either of those. Nope. Um, um, oh, you can do it. You can do it. You have no idea, um, huh? No, not even... Her, the re- Heart of Gold. Heart of Gold. Y'all, this clown just said heart of gold. No, I know what this it is. clown just said heart Marvin's of gold. Room. It's Marvin's room, which sounds just like the title Heart of Gold. Stunning work, Oscar. Really great. So yeah, we're gonna be watching the film Marvin's Room, um, which I'm excited for. Oscar, we're excited for. And uh, can you tell them a little bit why we chose Marvin's Room in particular? So yeah, we've been um watching a lot. Mm-hmm. Of a special someone mm-hmm. acting, well, you can say filmography, who. Diane Keaton. Diane who Keaton. else? Other than Meryl, obviously. Yes. But us and our old white women, we can never get enough. No. Um, but we've been watching some of her more recent work, like the film Palms, which came out Palms, last year. Palms, book, book club, like we said before. Morning Glory. Morning Glory. The big wedding. The big wedding. So none of her critically acclaimed performances. Right. Um, or any of the work that got her a big break. But we don't want to watch Woody Allen movies, so mm-hmm. <laughs> guess we have no choice. But Meryl's in some of them. But Meryl is in Manhattan. Manhattan, whatever. Um, but um, she's also in Marvin's Room. Um, 1996 film. It's a drama. Diane and Meryl play sisters in this movie, guys. Get this. And guess who else is in this movie, Oscar? Who? The the moment of 1996. Basically, the Haley Joel Osment of 1996. But more of a teenager. Leonardo DiCaprio. And guess who else? Who? Probably one of the best actors of our generation. Robert De Niro. Can you believe that cast? It's like an insane cast. My friends and I play this cinephile game where we have to like make connections. Like kind of like a six degrees thing. And this is a movie we always use. Because everyone is in this movie. Right? Anyone who's everyone is in this movie. Everyone who's anyone is in this movie. Um, also in this movie is Cynthia Nixon. Do you know her from Sex and the City? Yes. Yeah, she's in it. So funny. Also, Margot Martindale. Go off, queen. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm not gonna really spoil what it's about, but it's about sisters and, um, Leo. Yes, I do believe Leo plays, uh, Meryl's son. So that's, like, pretty exciting. And I do believe Robert De Niro plays her dad, as well as Diane Keaton's dad. So it's basically our perfect movie. And perfect family. A perfect family, and I wish I was part of them, and I want to be part of it, and I wish my relationship with my mom. But, um, um, and then... And Leonardo DiCaprio was your brother instead of me. 
Well, I wish for that every day, but okay. It has Oscar nominations. I mean, come on. This is going to be so exciting. I can't wait. As you can tell, we're really hyped up, so I'm hoping that it's a little better than AI artificial intelligence. It'll probably be about the same plot. I bet there'll be robot aliens in this oh, one, too. Oh, 2,000 year time jump. I'm really expecting that. Me, too. So, stay tuned for that one, guys. This one is not, unfortunately, on any streaming services, but you can rent it for $3 on, like, pretty much anywhere, just like Amazon or whatever. Um, if you want to watch along with us, it's only, like, an hour and a half, so a nice short watch. I think we'll have lots of opinions on it. Lord, if we have an hour and a half's worth of opinions on AI, I think we'll have some things to say about this movie. Um, so thanks if you made it all the way through this truly unhinged episode about a truly unhinged film. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And this is like, I think this will be the like the least. The least we'll talk about Meryl ever. I agree. So it's only, it's only up from here. It's only up from here because... Any more Meryl is a better um, film. So we got this out of the way. For sure. I think it's hilarious. I think it's absolutely hilarious that we cover this movie on the podcast, especially on our sixth episode. Right. I think this is, it has to be the least she's in any movie ever. Okay. I would be so surprised if she's in a movie least. I completely agree. Um, so thanks, guys, for listening. I appreciate it. Um, guys, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you really want to. We, we're on Apple Podcasts now. We could have been for like the last three months but we know we're an apple podcast now, <laughs> and so for it's... a fact we're absolutely for sure now so now we can Look up marathon and we're like the fifth hit yes go <laughs> off but we'll have we'll be the number four hit if you rate and mm-hmm. review yay okay so thanks guys for listening see you in the next one stay safe bye, bye. you have been searching for me haven't you david My whole life. And what, after all this time, have you come to ask me? I have a wish to make. And what is your wish? Please make me a real boy, so my mommy will love me and let me stay with her. David, I will do anything that is possible, but I cannot make you a real boy. Where am I? This looks like my house, but it is different. Yes, it is different. But it's also your home. We read your mind, and it's all here. There's nothing too small that you didn't store for us to remember. We so want you to be happy. You are so important to us, David. You are unique in all the world. Will Mommy be coming home soon? Is she out shopping with Martin now? David, she can never come home. Because 2,000 years have passed. And she is no longer living. Dearest David, when you are lonely, we can bring back other people from your time in the past. If you can bring back other people, why can't you bring back her? Because we can only bring back people whose bodies we dig up from the ice. We need some physical sample of the person, like a bone or a fingernail. 
David? Yes, Daddy. Do you remember when you cut some of Mommy's hair? Now you can bring her back. Can't you? Dearest David, your wish is my command. 